One of the most romantic stories in the world is the story of Ruth. That's the name of one of the two books in the Bible that bear the name of women. You remember, there is the book of Esther, and she was a Jewess who married a Gentile. But the book of Ruth tells the story of a Gentile who married a Jew. The story is a threefold love story. It has the strange love story of the love of a daughter-in-law for her mother-in-law and the love of a man for a woman and the love of God for man. Just a tiny book of less than 100 verses. The book of Ruth is sandwiched between the book of Judges and the book of 1 Samuel. Now, the book of Judges is a wild, chaotic account. And it tells us in the last verse that in those days there was no king in Israel and every man did what was right in his own eyes. It's a fierce book, a bloodthirsty book, a book full of war and trouble and death. When we come to First Samuel, of course, that's the story of the development of the kingdom in Israel. But Judges is the book of failure. And the message is that when you fail, look for your deliverer. And the book of Ruth will tell us about one Boaz who prefigures the greatest deliverer of all, our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at the story. We'll notice that the first three chapters assure us that many are the troubles of the righteous, but the last chapter shows that God delivers the righteous out of them all. The book will tell us that life and love lead to God. For life is God's gift and love is God's nature. Now let's notice the story from the beginning. I'm reading to you from Ruth, the first chapter. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilion. So here's the story of a Jewish family squeezed out of the land of promise at the time of famine who went into the land of heathendom planning only to stay a little time, only to sojourn. But tragedy struck the family. The name of the father was Elimelech, which means my God is king. And strangely, they called their sons Marlon and Kilion, which means sick and pining representative of the sad experience in heathendom. For the father died, and by and by, the sons, after they had taken wives, died also, leaving a mother-in-law with two widows. It tells us in the sixth verse that she, the mother-in-law, Naomi, started with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she'd heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Then the story tells us that Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the home of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we'll return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. 
Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go. Go your way. I'm too old to have a husband. And we read in the story that they lifted up their voices, these two daughters-in-law, and wept again. And one of them, Orpah, kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. And would you notice the beautiful words of Ruth? Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if even death parts me from you. What a wonderful, affectionate embrace on the beginning of a long pilgrimage to rest. It tells us in the last part of the chapter that at last they came to Bethlehem, And the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? And of course that name means pleasantness. And she responded, Call me Mara. And that means bitterness. The last verse says, They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. And in chapter 2 we read the hero of the story, one Boaz. Listen to the record. Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And Naomi said to her, Go, my daughter. So she went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose maiden is this? And the servant, who was in charge of the reapers, answered, It is the Moabite maiden, who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Then in the eighth verse of this second chapter, we read how Boaz spoke to Ruth kindly. Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field, or leave this one, but keep close to my maidens. Let your eyes be upon the field which they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to molest you? And when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favour in your eyes, that you should take notice of me when I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people you did not know before. The Lord recompense you for what you've done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And she said, You are most gracious to me, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not one of your maidservants. Then in the middle of the chapter we read about an invitation to lunch. How at mealtime Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread, and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her parched corn, and she ate until she was satisfied. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean, even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her, and also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, then she beat out what she gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. She took it up and went into the city. She showed her mother-in-law what she gleaned. 
and she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she'd worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord. For the man is a relative of ours, one of our nearest kin. The story increases in significance as we find that Boaz is actually a kinsman redeemer. The Old Testament laws had made provision for widows that a near relative might buy back the lost property of the dead husband, but simultaneously that he should marry the widow and thus redeem both the property and the person. So the story is telling us that this lonely heathen girl, in exile, apparently, suffering from widowhood and want and woe, suddenly finds a kinsman redeemer. In the third chapter, the mother-in-law speaks again, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our kinsman, with whose maidens you were? See, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man till he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he'll tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say, I will do. These words sound strange to us in the Western world, but they allude to some of the ancient customs of the East. Even today, if an Orthodox Jew marries a girl of his choice, he throws the end of his skirt, his talent, over her shoulders. And Naomi has selected a time when Boaz and his men would be resting at the harvest floor. And then in comparative privacy, she was to ask Boaz, did he really want to redeem her or not? That's the significance of the story. Verse 6 of chapter 3 says she went down to the threshing floor. And she did just as her mother-in-law had told her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. So here is Ruth taking the position of a servant, crosswise at his feet. And the text says, At midnight the man was startled and turned, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who are you? She answered, I am Ruth, your handmaid. Spread your skirt over your handmaid, for you are a kinsman redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You've made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you've not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I'll do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of virtue. Now it's true that I am a near kinsman, but there is a kinsman nearer than I. If he'll do the part of the next of kin for you, well, let him do it. But if he's not willing to do the part of the next of kin for you, then as the Lord lives, I will do it. And so the text tells us that he gave her a present of barley to take to the mother-in-law. And when she arrived home, and Naomi asked, How did you fare, my daughter? And Ruth told her the account. Then Naomi answered, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest till he settles the matter today.
And now we come to the last chapter. And Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the next of kin of whom Boaz had spoken came by. And Boaz said, Turn aside, friend. Sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the next of kin, Naomi, who's come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belongs to her kinsman Elimelech. I thought I'd tell you about it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders. If you redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know. For there's no one beside you to redeem it, and I come after you. And the man said, I'll redeem it. And Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you're also buying Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the dead. The next of kin said, I cannot redeem it, lest I impair my own inheritance. I cannot redeem it. And the last verses tell us how Boaz declared before the elders that he then would redeem the property and that he would marry the widow Ruth. Verse 10 says, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Marlon, I have bought to be my wife, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren. You are witnesses this day. And all the people said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who's coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together build up the house of Israel. May you prosper and be renowned, and the Lord will give you by this young woman, young woman children. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without next of kin. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life, a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons has born him. It's interesting that the story closes with the mother-in-law. Naomi took the child and laid him in a bosom and became his nurse. And then the final verses tell us that the child of Ruth and Boaz was an ancestor of David. And now we have the clues to the real meaning of this book. For the burden of every book and every chapter of Scripture is redemption, the solving of the great human problem of sin and exile and loss and death. And this book that tells us about David, the ancestor of our Lord Jesus Christ, that tells us about the city of Bethlehem, which is the city where our Lord was born, which discusses the time of the harvest, which was the Passover season, this book is your story and mine. Ruth represents every one of us. Ruth was a heathen, according to Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 3. No Moabite was ever allowed to come into the congregation of Israel, not until the tenth generation. By law they were shut out. And my friend, Ruth represents all of us. For by law we have no right to the kingdom of God. We have no claim on heaven. The scripture says that by nature we are aliens from the commonwealths of Israel strangers from the covenants of promise, without God and without hope in the world. For the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. All have sinned and all come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. So by law, like Ruth, we are prohibited 
from the blessings of the people of God. But thank God there's more than Ruth in the story. There's Boaz. He's the Lord of the harvest. His name means in him strength. He's one who's powerful and rich. He's compassionate and kind. We find he's interested in both Jews like Naomi and Gentiles like Ruth. He provides for all, gives gifts. He welcomes the outcast and comforts her. He purchases her. He works for her union. He provides her with his robe and covers her. He protects her and blesses her. He redeems her fully and completely and unites himself to her in marriage that she might bring forth fruit. Boaz, my friends, is a picture of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember the story said that he was a kinsman redeemer and our Christ, though once his garment was for light and the stars of heaven were the fringe of his robe, Though he was the one that put the blaze in the sun and the twinkle in the stars. Though he made the planets and the brooks and whirling worlds and luminous suns. Though he made man and the birds and the fish of the sea. He became a child in the stable of Bethlehem. Became our near kinsman. Took our nature, added it to his own. Christ was one person with two natures, just as much God as though not at all man, just as much man as though not at all God. Divine, therefore he had power to help us. Human, therefore he could represent us. So Boaz represents Jesus, the true Lord of the harvest, who is indeed powerful and rich, who is indeed compassionate and kind, who is interested in both Jews and Gentiles, who provides for all, who welcomes the outcasts, My friends, you may lack all earthly friends, but Jesus loves you. You may not be understood by your husband or your wife, your parents or your children or your neighbours, but Jesus understands you. He knows the reasons behind the problems in your day-to-day existence. He knows the battles you have fought, the agonies you have borne, He knows the warring desires of your hearts, the mixed motives that actuate you. He knows, he understands, and he loves you just the same. He is the true Boaz. He wants to redeem us to himself. He has bought us on Calvary. Did you notice that in chapter 3, it told of Ruth washing, anointing, putting on her best clothes, and then lying at the feet in the pose of surrender of the kinsman redeemer. That's a picture of what we must do, my friends. We need to go to our Lord, kneel before him, and plead for his robe of righteousness. This was done at Passover time. It was when he lay down to rest that the union was proposed. And when our Lord Jesus died on the cross, my friends, The way was paved for our union with him forever. You have noticed that a key word of the story is rest. Naomi told the daughters-in-law that she couldn't provide rest for them, that only a redeemer could, a husband who would unite himself to them. 
but we're told as the story progresses that when Naomi at last said, shall I not seek rest for you? That Ruth the alien was brought into contact with the kinsman redeemer. And on return home, Naomi assured her, the man will not be in rest till he's finished this matter of your redemption. And so it was. You and I seek rest of soul, rest of heart, rest of spirit. We only get it through Christ. He did not rest himself until he'd finished our redemption. As you read the scriptures, my friends, always look for yourself and always look for Jesus. We are there and he is there. In this story, we have the outline of our own destiny, if we will choose to have it so. The first chapter tells of a decision for Christ. When the alien leaves the world of the past, leaves heathenism for the promised land, it takes decision. In chapter 2, we meet of a meeting with the Redeemer. That's essential, my friends. We need to meet our Lord Jesus Christ and kneel before him and plead for his robe of righteousness. He will surely give it. Then in chapter 3, we have a resting in him. Not only the kneeling and the surrender, but a resting. And in chapter 4, a union with him. That's the way of salvation. Decision, meeting, resting, union. Don't be afraid to come to Christ. We noticed how kind, how thoughtful Boaz was even ordering his reapers to drop handfuls purposely so Ruth would not go home empty to her mother-in-law, protecting her, compassionate and sympathetic. That kinsman redeemer represents ours. There is in the story another redeemer who was not able to save Ruth, another kinsman, and he represents our fellow man. Our fellow men are nearer to us by ties of nature than even Jesus. But my friends, they cannot redeem us. All human counsel is powerless to rid us of our sins, of their guilt or their power. It has to be Christ and Christ alone. Him we must seek. Him we must cleave to. In this story we have Ruth as a as a type of the sinner that goes to the house of the Lord, as a stranger that finds the grace of the Lord, as a daughter that feels the love of the Lord, as a gleaner, she follows his word, as a worshipper, she falls at his feet, as a handmaiden, she fed at his table, as a bride, she finished his plan. There's no fruit in the life until we're united to Christ. He bids us come, whatever the past, however troubled the future may look, however weak we feel, however foolish we've been. He's rich, he's powerful, he's kind. He's already slept the sleep of death that he might purchase us for eternal life. And if we plead for his road, 
then, my friends, we'll become one with him. Fruitfulness in life will be automatic and spontaneous. Life will become a song. Do you see it, my friends? This book is not just the story of the love of a daughter-in-law or her mother-in-law. It's not just the story of the love of man for a woman. It's the story of God's love for you. Life and love lead to Him. For life is God's gift and love is God's nature. If you have not come to Him before, my friends, will you come today? He will not turn you away. All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. And him that cometh to me I'll in no wise cast out. And when you come, my friends, he says, I'll never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. God bless you, my friends.